Hello and welcome to St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm here with Schweiber Zoli, who's one of our parishioners. I'm going to introduce him in just a minute, but I want to share with you why we're doing the Eucharistic Revival podcast, which has um, been such a blessing for our parish. Um, during this year of revival across the nation, we're just hoping to share some good news about the Holy Eucharist and how people's lives have been so transformed by Christ's real presence in this great sacrament. And so we're doing monthly podcasts, just um, sharing this good news um, of our parishioners' conversions and reversions back to the faith. You're also beautifully in the heart of Indianapolis, where the Eucharistic Congress is going to happen in July of 2024, and you're in the Adoration Chapel for the Congress. So St. John's, our parish here, uh, is going to be the Adoration Chapel. I'm Father Rick Nagel, the pastor here, and we're really grateful um, that you've joined us. We're going to shoot today at, at, uh, in front of the Blessed Mother's uh, statue and here at the, at the baptismal font. And uh, this is a really special place, particularly for Schwab, because it reminds him of his conversion uh, and the role our Blessed Mother Mary played in it, and as well as being baptized here. So uh, we're going to get to that part of the story. I met you, Schwab, um, on the campus of Indiana University, Purdue University, where I, I'm chaplain. Um, some years ago, was it? You, 2000? 2012. 2012, yeah. wow. And so I met Schwab the first time I think I ever laid eyes on him. We were actually at an involvement fair at the beginning of the semester. Uh, the Catholic Student Organization table was here, and your table was right there under yeah. a big tent on the campus. And our jobs were to um, invite people into our organizations. At that time, you were the president of the Student Muslim Organization. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, the Muslim Student Association. Muslim yeah. Student Association. And our Catholic Student Organization booth was right next door, mm -hmm. and we ended up uh, meeting each other then. How in the world did you come from uh, president to the, uh, all the students on the campus, uh, the Muslim uh, outreach there, to being baptized here at St. John's Catholic Church? Yeah, um, well, first off, uh, thank you for having me, Father. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. And uh, a guest for this podcast. I'm very much looking forward to the Eucharistic Congress uh, to be here in the city of Indianapolis next Absolutely. year. Um, yeah, so t uh, 11 years ago now, uh, a little over 11 years ago, um, I was a student on IEPY's campus, and um, before, uh, before I became the president of the Muslim Student Association, I was kind of like living a, uh, a bit of a wayward um, lifestyle, um, similar to a lot of other students on the uh, on the college campus very much like diving into the secular uh, things that the culture has to offer um, and uh, I think it was just um, uh, it, it might have been like uh, a sense of revenge or uh, something along those lines um, against re resentment if you will against my faith and like all of the things that I um, wasn't able to do as a kid right um, growing up in a nominal-ish Muslim household um, uh, w with immigrant parents was pretty challenging because you know, there was a lot of my school-age friends who were able to partake in certain celebrations or able to uh, partake in certain things and I was always told that we can't do that because we're Muslim and so when college comes uh, there's a whole uh, 180 that happens um, uh, particularly in my life and uh, I, I focused my efforts on, you know, chasing women and partying and, and all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it wasn't until maybe uh, the summer of like 2011, uh, so at this point I'd already been a couple years into, um, into my college journey, that I um, 
that I hit what I would consider like my, my lowest low, um, my, my rock bottom. Mm. And um, I think when anybody hits their rock bottom, um, regardless of what faith tradition they prescribe to, uh, they tend to go back to their roots that they, that they grew mm. up with. And Very so yeah. um, for me, that was going back to Islam. And so really understanding what, um, what it meant to be uh, truly, what it meant to be a Muslim and not just you know, proclaim it by name, but really understand the theology, um, the, the scriptures that were revealed and, and getting, to, getting to that study. And so just through that process, um, the more I would study, the more I would um, read, the more I would self-teach myself and ask questions of my local imams, um, uh, there was more and more um, restlessness, if you will, um, uh, that came with that. Uh, and so um, growing in fellowship with some of the students on campus, um, I knew that I wasn't the only one struggling with these kinds of thoughts or questions that I was having. And so it just made sense to, um, to have a, a formal community on campus, and that's what we call the Muslim Student Association. Uh, and so they all pointed at me saying, hey, you're the guy. You're it. Here we go. You're <laughs> yeah, a leader. Exactly. You've you got to be the one to, to lead it because you're very involved on campus with other activities, fraternity life, and uh, other, other organizations that I was a part of. And so I really knew like, the you know, intricacies of like, how to get things situated on campus. And so... Um, Fast forward a couple of months, um, uh, that feeling of restlessness just wouldn't dissipate. And so uh, as much as I tried to surround myself with fellowship, as much as I would try to surround myself with, uh, with like good Islamic teaching, um, it just wouldn't, um, it, would, it wouldn't go away. Um, and so uh, I privately, um, without really informing anyone, I, I privately apostatized from Islam. And that was probably the fall of 2012. Okay. Um, and uh, that's when I met a fraternity brother. Um, well, I knew him already, but he was, um, um, I would say he was probably the most virtuous uh, fraternity brother of mine on our campus. Um, and so I, I would meet with him regularly uh, and ask him questions of faith and theology and what his thoughts were and why he chose to be uh, not, just, uh, uh, not just a Christian of any tradition, but a, a Roman Catholic. Mm. And so uh, why, why he chose to um, to, to live his life in a certain way because there was something inspiring about the way he lived his life because uh, it was very much against the grain of how the rest of my fraternity brothers lived. And uh, just in those conversations and, and his vulnerability and just uh, getting to know him more and more, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, maybe, uh, maybe there could be something there, but, you know, for, from my perspective, um, the, the person of Christ, the person of Jesus, of Nazareth is, is no more than just a mere prophet. Like he was a good virtuous human that lived and I can't bring myself to profess what my fraternity brother professes, that he is Lord. Yeah, true God and true man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so he invites me to come to a Bible study uh, and, we're, and I'm, I'm telling him like, hey, um, you know what it's going to look like if the president of the MSA comes to a, <laughs> comes yeah. to a Catholic Bible study. Uh, we have to keep that on the, uh, on the down low. We can't really advertise that or broadcast that. And so I came to a Bible study, and the first uh, question that he asked, uh, it was a scripture that we were reading, was um, Jesus asking the question of Simon, um, son of Jonah, who do you say that I am? And so... Well, do you think that was coincidental or providential? That was the question. Uh, in hindsight, providential. <laughs> uh, in, in that exact moment, I thought it was, oh, I'm walking into a setup. Of yeah, sorts. he set you up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what... uh, but uh, no, very much in hindsight, it was providential um, mm. because... Uh, 
um, you know, he was following a Bible study program and it just so happened to be, you know, I, I just came on that one week randomly and, mm-hmm. and that was the scripture that they were studying. And so um, we all went round robin and everyone that was in that circle said, you know, Christ is Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, and it falls on me. Well, he was just a good man. He was a good and virtuous human and, and that's all there is to it. He was a prophet of God and, and that's all we can say about him. And so that really raised a little bit of ire and doubt for, for some of the other people in that Bible study. And so, sure, yeah. um, uh, and so my fraternity brother pulled me to the side and said, hey, um, if we're going to keep doing this, I would much rather have you like read privately uh, the scriptures and then come to me with any questions or doubts that you might have. Um, because a lot of these other guys that are coming to the study are, you know, trying to reground themselves in the faith and we don't want to cast any doubt for yeah. them. I said, okay, fair. Um, and so at that point, um, he gave me a Bible and told me to start with the Gospel of Matthew. And so I read the Gospel of Matthew uh, all in one day, and I was you know, awestruck with how poetic it was. Um, uh, you know, at this point, I'd already read the Quran um, uh, in, in the English translation, but um, th- there was never anything as poetic um, as, as something like the Mount of um, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, yeah. right? Yeah. So going through the Beatitudes for the first time, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And uh, it, it really felt for the first time that I was reading something that was speaking to me, right? And I never got anything of that sort uh, with the Quran. And so yeah. um, fast forward a couple more months, uh, just uh, reading uh, and devoting myself to the, to, to the scriptures. Uh, I got invited to go to Mass and was here at St. John's. Um, and uh, that was December of 20, 2012. Um, so uh, come to Mass for the first time, and it was a good experience, And um, but I, I still didn't really profess that Christ is the Savior. Even at this point, I had read the um, majority of the New Testament. I just couldn't bring myself to profess mm-hmm. um, that he came and died for my sins, and he rose again, and, um, and he redeemed me, right? Now, at this point, we're in Advent, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I think um, Mother Mary started to play a role. Mm-hmm. And you also believe that she was a good person mm-hmm. and, and, and honored in mm-hmm. the uh, Muslim tradition, mm-hmm. correct? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, till, if, you were to ask, um, if you were to ask some Muslim women, like, why did they veil? Why did they wear the hijab, the headdress? Mm-hmm. Um, they will say it's for modesty and it's for emulation of Mary because she, she veiled. Right, yeah. and so uh, there's a certain beauty to that. Uh, Muslims um, don't venerate her as much as Catholics do, but uh, that veneration does exist as a um, as a model and virtuous woman um, that women should model their their lives after. Yeah, and um, how did she start playing an important role for you then in that same season of Advent? Yeah, so just um, three days after that first mass uh, that I came to here at St. John's, um, I went to. Um, I went to a, a Hispanic parish over on the west side of Indy, St. Anthony's Parish. Um, and uh, that was just an invitation on, uh, of a friend uh, to come and celebrate um, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, and when I, when I, till this point, I had no idea what the intercession of saints was, what role Mary played in Catholicism, all of that was completely foreign to me. And so she just sent me a uh, quick email and said, hey, here's, um, here's what this is. And I thought to myself, well, 
this is about as pagan as pagan gets. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so, so like, well, what the heck? Let me yeah. go check it out. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? No, like, I, see how pagan these right. Catholics well, are. Well, I told myself, uh, you know, I'd already uh, privately apostatized from Islam. I hadn't made that information public yet to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so I thought to myself, well, I'm already, I'm already removed. And I'm, at this point, I just have to be open, right? I just have to okay. open myself to the possibility that this could be real, right? And if it is, then it deserves my, my full devotion, right? Yeah. And so I go to that church, and um, we have Mass, and it's in Spanish, and I don't understand the look of Spanish, and that's all right. Um, but I could tell that the structure of the liturgy was the exact same as my first time uh, just a couple days prior. Um, and so after Mass was over, they were doing a procession, and uh, in the midst of that procession, they were asking, um, they were just asking intercessory prayers of Mary. And so that, at this point, my friend is turning to me and saying, hey, whatever it is that's on your heart, just give it to Mary, and just, she'll, she'll bless that, right? And she'll pray for that, and she'll give that to her son, who ultimately will, will heed an answer. Um, and so I was very humble, very sincere. I tried to be humble. <laughs> um, and just ask, you know, I've, I've left Islam. I've left the, um, the one thing that I claimed as identity um, all throughout my childhood and my, my young adult life. I've left that, and uh, I haven't told anybody. I haven't told my family. Um, and so in that prayer, um, I, I asked Mary to, um, to help me understand how I'm going to um, tell my family to that, that that I've left Islam and that I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and so I I said Amen and, and just walked. <laughs> and so in that moment, I just like double took right. I just, like what did I just pray there? Like did I just say that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And so, wow. and so uh, I had to like really pause. I was like, okay, wait. I just I know I said that. I I I feel that, and so I just had to say over and over again. Uh, Jesus, I know you. I've, I've been getting to know you, but I feel like I've known you all my all my life. And I think, uh, I, I know I should say that that you came and died for me. And so from here, from this day forward, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Um, wow. But it was all because I, you know, up to that point, that's all I wanted, or I, I think that's all I wanted. You know, in hindsight, that is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it just took a. It just took some, it, it, it had, there was something that needed to be done for me to get out of my own way, right? And I think that's what the Blessed Mother was there for, yeah. was for me to come to her and just, with, with, with at least in my, in my opinion, like with true humility and just ask her, hey, here's mm-hmm. what I need. And, and so she delivered, right? Wow, and here it is, a season where she's literally the tabernacle, right? Mm-hmm. Carrying Christ in the world mm-hmm. in Advent, mm-hmm. right? Um, preparing for uh, the incarnation at Christmas. And she was carrying her son to you um, right. in that moment, and then pointing, um, yeah, you to him to say, do whatever he tells you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's her famous last words at right. the wedding of Cana right. uh, that are recorded in scripture. So here it is, our mother, um, who could have been perceived as a, as a pagan, mm-hmm. you know, object or person, even mm-hmm. right, and and now she's literally pointing you to the savior of the mm-hmm. world, and you're. You're saying yes, yes, and yet you're you're probably still like, what's going on here in my life? Right, I mean, right. what's happening? What happened then next? I mean, like you're you're all in. I mean, you're ready to be baptized, or um, you're you're saying, what what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I immediately went to my uh, went to my fraternity brother, told him the news. I'm like, hey, here's what happened. Um, 
And I, uh, at the time, we had well, we saw focus missionaries here at IPOI, but um, I went to the focus missionaries that we had then mm -hmm. and told them the news because they had been praying for me as well. And um, and so I told them, uh, hey, I know there's a conference coming up and um, uh, called Seek, and I think I want to go to it. I just have no money, <laughs> and so I think. Something like that would be good for me to at least uh, see and, and, and see what this whole like Catholicism thing is all about, right? Yeah. Because uh, up until this point, the only thing I had in my possession was just the Bible, and that was that was it. There was nothing to insinuate that um, I knew all of the um, the tenets of the church. Teaching the catechism. Yeah, why we, I just what? was not catechized, right? Yeah. And so all I had was just, okay... Here's a book of uh, scripture that the Lord inspired, mm -hmm. and uh, the person of Jesus is Lord and Savior, and I can profess that much. But beyond that, I have no idea. <laughs> I yeah, have no well, idea what I'm doing. So. so the Fellowship of Catholic University Students Conference, Focus Conference, mm -hmm. Seek, was that January, mm -hmm. and you were with us. Yep. And bam, five days, you got just flooded with um, the teaching of the faith and the faithfulness of the practice of mm -hmm. their devotions and adoration. Was there anything particular in the SEEK conference that like, moved you to the next place then of your journey? Um, so I think uh, I, I was very much cut to the heart. I was very, uh, I was like the Ethiopian in the Book of Acts, right? Yeah. I was yeah. very awesome. much like ready to receive the sacraments uh, if at all possible. Like nobody had told me at, at conference though that there is a process that the church has called, that's called RCIA. Uh, and so we have to enter into that kind of process and uh, go through uh, some more teaching and more learning and really prepare your heart and heart and soul and mind uh, to receive those sacraments to receive, um, you know, God's uh, God's grace through those uh, through those mm -hmm. things. And so um, I was all in. I wanted uh, I wanted everything to do with everything. <laughs> so um, I. Uh, I think I had spoken to you about um, what it meant to go through RCIA and um, what I would have to do to receive my sacraments by that Easter vigil. And I think we had an early Easter that year. Right. And so it was uh, seven or maybe eight weeks of uh, like a six-month program that I had to catch up on. <laughs> and yeah. so um, there was a echo apprentice here at St. John's at the time, and she was very diligent with working with me multiple times a week. And... Echo Prentice are Notre Dame uh, graduate okay. students mm -hmm. who we yep. were blessed to have a couple over the yep. years mm -hmm. in those days of, of being able to uh, work on their master's while um, studying theology mm -hmm. um, and being placed in a parish. So that's yep. awesome that that resource was there to kind of catch you up yeah, and, and just answer any of your questions. Mm -hmm. um, and the journey through a quick RCIA mm -hmm. um, to the yep. Easter vigil. It was very much like drinking from a fire hose. Right? Yeah, right here. We had five days of uh, conference, turn around, and we have uh, three days a week of, of catching up uh, one or maybe two hour sessions of RCIA up to up to Easter Vigil, right? And that was no small, uh, that was a challenge for me, right? Because even up until um, that morning of, of Easter Vigil, I was, you know, I was hesitant. I, I had no idea what I uh, was getting myself into. Like I knew I wanted these sacraments. I knew I wanted baptism. I knew I wanted to be into the fold of his love. Mm -hmm. But um, I just knew, like, uh, making this decision, going through it, and still being, um, you know, that closeted apostate from Islam, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what that would mean for my family if they were to find any of this out. And so, Well, I remember that day super distinctly because mm -hmm. you, you reached out to me and said, you know, Father, can we meet? 
And it's, it's Easter vigil, and all I can think about is all the things I have to do to get ready for Easter vigil mm-hmm. and the Easter masses. And then I'm like, oh, wait, he's, he's, got, you know, he's got to talk more. And so we met here at the rectory, and um, I, just, I remember just feeling like very deeply for you at that point because of that struggle of you believed in your mm-hmm. heart and mind that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be baptized, and yet you knew that that could be a, a, even dangerous for your family mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. And certainly there could be division there. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to you, only, only you can decide, right? Because mm-hmm. of free will all that right. we have. Um, and that either way, you already had received him in your mm-hmm. heart. So whether you were baptized formally that night mm-hmm. or not, you had already decided to be Christian. Right. Um, so I didn't know. Then you left, and we talked a little bit more. You left, and I didn't know if you'd be back that night or not. Mm-hmm. And then you showed up here yeah. about 6 o'clock? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I was reflecting from that, on that meeting all throughout that, that whole day, and I was just thinking, you know, if it was anybody else or, or if I was in any other situation, I feel like it would have been like a, oh, we'll just come and, come and just get the sacraments and then we'll just deal with all, all of that other stuff a little bit later, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of like a, a feeling of being pressured into, uh, into just coming into the fold and then figuring out all of the personal uh, crisis stuff a little bit later. But it was the complete opposite, right? Just like the love that you had for me in that in that uh, moment, and, and understanding um, that this isn't just you know um, uh, your your typical everyday uh, scenario of a, of a sure. conversion, and there is like sensitivity here of, of fam- other families and other external factors. Like you, you took that and you um, you really heard me out, and I think um, uh, you know a lot of that had to do with. Um, um, well, just like reflecting on that made me realize like that is the love of Christ, right? Like he is never going to force me to accept him. He's never going to force me to, mm. to do anything that I wouldn't want to do, right? And so just knowing that I, I still had that choice um, mm. uh, was, um, was very impactful like that, from that conversation. Um, but yeah, then, you know, uh, come to the church and get my sacraments. And at that point... Baptized right here, this font. Yeah, Yeah. it's so beautiful with Blessed Mother um, looking over um, our shoulders and knowing her intercession was very powerful as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then, I mean, I think you thought the journey was, you'd arrived and then all of a sudden the journey was just beginning, Mm -hmm. right? And there was just like this explosion of grace Mm -hmm. in your life, uh, being uh, baptized, uh, confirmed in the faith and receiving Mm -hmm. your first communion in the Mm -hmm. Holy Eucharist. Um, all in one night. And then, well, I remember shortly after we were traveling to Rome. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit? Because uh, you were in the Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati Men's House. You had mm-hmm. applied um, to be a part of that house and mm-hmm. you know, formation house here uh, in our, through our parish. And, um, and then I'm taking a group of men to retrace his steps in northern mm-hmm. Italy. Mm-hmm. And we were going through Rome. Um, and all of a sudden you're on that pilgrimage. 100 miles an hour, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. the whole the whole year so far, yeah. uh, from sea to to RCIA to now going on a pilgrimage to, to Italy. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I I knew that once I had my conversation with my mom, and I and I did have that conversation uh, before vigil, mm-hmm. uh, before Easter, yeah. that this is what's happening, and I'm only telling you because I don't want you to hear it from anybody else. I want, yeah. I want you to it's hear honorable it from my mom. thing. Exactly. Yeah, I want, I'm honoring you in this way. Um, and so 
that was a very tough conversation, and I knew that um, our, the arrangement, at least me living at my mom's house, was just not going to not going to be possible. Because I, up until this point, like I had never really lived on my own. I had never had a roommate, or uh, I didn't live on campus or anything like that. I was commuting from uh, from uh, the suburbs of Indy, and um, and so I, I just knew that that wasn't going to work anymore because of how. Um, how our relationship just got damaged by by my news, right? Hmm. Um, sure. And so some of that was, um, although I personally might have wanted to continue living there, I just knew it was going to be hard for her, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like she just needed that distance uh, to, to kind of finally accept that this is the reality, yeah. right? Um, and so turning around, um, I knew I needed a, some type of living arrangement, and that's when the house was... Um, uh, available uh, for uh, for uh, for more more men to live in, and um, what a great decision that was! I think mm -hmm. I, I just I every day thank uh, thank that opportunity of living in that formation house because I don't think I would be where I am today as a Catholic mm -hmm. man had it not been for those formative years, right? Because even though I had like a really mm -hmm. uh, powerful conversion and uh, was on that mountaintop experience, if I didn't have a community to like really ground me once I got back down from that mountaintop, then I would have probably fallen yeah, away or absolutely. who knows. Right? You had all these good young men um, surrounding you that you're mm -hmm. living in community with. Yep. And one of them is your good friend, Father Jacob McDaniel, yeah. yep. who is the, the guy that you were talking about through your conversion story, yep. your fraternity brother you yep. went to first. Mm -hmm. And so now... Uh, Father McDaniel is a priest in the Diocese of Gary. Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually serving on a college campus at Valparaiso yep. University and, yep. and serving their college students himself as mm -hmm. a chaplain. But what a great friend and others uh, are lifelong friends now Absolutely. I know of yours um, to journey with um, in the early days of your faith um, and to have that rock solid, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just uh, authentic friendship with Father Jacob and mm -hmm. then Jacob as a college yeah. student. Yeah. Um, who we didn't know at that time would be called the priesthood. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And so now we're in Italy, and we're uh, we start in Rome. Right. And I, I have to tell I have to tell all of our viewers that um, this guy decided he's going to give a rose to the Holy Father. We had a, we were out in the general audience on a Wednesday, and he was determined. I said, "Tribe, there's no way you're going to get close to the Holy Father um, to give him this rose." And you thought otherwise. And what happened? So we uh, picked the rose that night, um, really long stem, right? So I just had it in, the, in my backpack, just sticking up like two feet above my head. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was uh, wrestling, through, uh, wrestling through the other pilgrims to try to get close to the, uh, to the, to the barriers uh, where he had his... Um, uh, the Pope Mobile coming yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's, uh, so he's coming through and he's about, uh, I don't know, 20 yards uh, to my right. And so I pull that rose out and I just yell at the top of my lungs, Papa Francesco, one rose for you. And so uh, he, he looks at me, he makes eye contact and he signals his guards like, hey, go collect that rose. And so one of his guards finally came and, yeah. and got the rose and he gave it, and take it, uh, gave it to the Holy Father. Yeah. And so then I turned around and I said, ha-ha. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, the, the grace that God right. has continued to pour upon you just right. to be, I, I think more, yeah, more important than the rose is the fact that he's, you've had an eye, a moment, you know, right. like with right. the pontiff, you know, right. with the victor of Christ on earth, just like within a month after your, convert, right. you know, your, your baptism here. Mm -hmm. And what a gift that, uh, 
that was for you and for all of us because mm -hmm. we saw God's grace being showered there as well. Right. I, I think just on that, like just throughout that entire first year of my conversion, that's, that was essentially what that first entire year was like. Every, every need that I had it was met, whether through, uh, through other people or whether God just providing a miracle of some sort, whether it was like through financial hardship or mm -hmm. uh, resources or whatever it was, um, the, the need that I had, the need that I just brought to private prayer was just always met, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was God's way of saying, you know, I'm, I'm here to take care of you, but it's not going to always be like this. There's going to be hardships, but just remember what this, what this one year was like for you, that year that you came into the church and had all mm -hmm. these things provided because you, yeah. because you humbly asked, so... Embrace the grace. Right. Mountaintop is yeah. going to take you back down to right. the valley as right. Jesus came off the mountaintop with his mm -hmm. closest inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And, and then you had that experience. Mm -hmm. I remember very clearly that things weren't always as easy mm -hmm. after um, kind of coming in and being situated as a, a faithful practicing Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, talk about some of that. Talk about some of the hardships that you, you endured in your early day, and maybe even up until recently, mm -hmm. the challenges of being a faithful Catholic. Yeah, so um, initially, and this is probably, um, so if you, as you recall, after we got back from Rome, Italy, uh, I turned around and went down to Georgia to serve at a at a homeless ministry. Right. Um, and when I got back, that's when really the uh, my phone started like ringing off the hook um, with calls from old friends of mine from the uh, you know from my the Muslim Student Association, um, uh, friends from the mosque that I used to frequent uh, up in up in Fishers and um, conversations uh, you know one that led to the other and. Um, yeah, there was one conversation in particular where a you know former friend of mine um, uh, was trying to um, was trying to bring me, bring me back to Islam and, and really try to um, tell me like hey how wrong I am in in, in choosing uh, the life of Christianity and how I've apostatized and everything <clears throat> and so I asked him uh, point blank you know in Islamic uh, Sharia law in, uh, in Islamic theology, like, what is the punishment for apostasy um, if we were not living here in the United States under, like, a different constitutional law, sure. right? If we, if we were in Afghanistan, where my family's from, if we were in uh, Iran, if we were in any other um, jurisprudence where sure. the Sharia was accepted, what would be the punishment for my transgression? And he looked at me, he said, death. Yeah. And I said, would you knowing me, all the years of, that we've spent as, uh, as kids, uh, as friends, mm -hmm. would you be comfortable with that? And he said, yes, I would. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when, I, when I had that, when I had that conversation, like that told me everything I needed to know, right? And so, wow. um, and so he, he said to me, you know, it's a shame that we don't live in one of those countries because I'd be okay with carrying that, carrying that out myself, right? Yeah, wow. And, and so, so at it, this point, you've experienced the love of God, and no matter mm -hmm. what our differences are, or the you know um, beliefs we have, we still love our mm -hmm. neighbor under yeah. all conditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so that's a distinct. Yeah, um, it was it was that conversation, and then like uh, just fall out with my family, you know, mm -hmm. just like not talking to them and trying to rebuild um, rebuild that uh, that relationship, and it, it just becoming harder and harder, and um, every. Uh, every opportunity that I did have to get with my get together with my family, it just always turned to 
um, uncharitable shouting matches as to why their theology was incorrect or why, from their perspective, my theology was incorrect, and uh, just having like these what we would consider irreconcilable differences that we just had to try to power through and live with, and it was rough waters for for that entire like next couple of years with my family. It was just never um, a good, healthy relationship going forward. Yeah. Um, what happened? when you met Lindsay, who is mm -hmm. now your wife, mm -hmm. faithful Catholic from a great Catholic family. Mm -hmm. uh, she was in our women's formation. In fact, she helped establish our women's formation house, um, named after then Blessed Mother Teresa, now St. Teresa of Calcutta. What happened? Then? I mean, that had to even fuel the fire even more that now you're going to marry mm -hmm. it into, the, you know, into a, a faithful Catholic family. Right. Um, so Lindsay, I met her, um, it wasn't too long after, I, formally I met her at the Sea Conference, but we didn't really um, start um, um, having those more romantic conversations until like later that year. Mm -hmm. And so we got married, um, we got married in 2016 in May. And uh, you're right, it was, it was very challenging for, for my family uh, to accept the fact that they were going to have another member of their family uh, come into it um, who was not only a non-Muslim, but uh, non-culturally, like non-Afghan or non-Middle Eastern, non-Arab, right? Sure. Just a typical, very, uh, very Anglo, blonde, blue-eyed woman yeah. and yeah. somebody who we have attributed to all sorts of bad behaviors, um, uh, like the, the typical like Western Western woman, like they, there's a stigma that you know my family had, and mm -hmm. so she, my family, my mother thought that this is what I was going to marry into, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was very happy to, or I was very happy to disprove that, uh, <laughs> dispel that notion very quick when they met my wife because she's very humble, very down to earth, um, the complete opposite of what um, what my family had. Um, to uh, as their perception of like what a what an average American or what average Western woman is, mm. and so um, uh, th they've noticed uh, that you know this is a woman who is of God, right? This is a woman who who mm. prays regularly. This is a woman who um, who is virtuous, right? And and so they um, uh, in the beginning it was hard, but now they've they've warmed up to that idea, and so it's, she's very much. Um, my mother very much considers her one of her daughters. That's awesome. Yeah, how could you not love Lindsay? She's an awesome right. human being. And, of course, mm -hmm. you fell in love with her, and you formed your own family. Mm -hmm. um, you were married here at St. John's, mm -hmm. and now you have two beautiful children, um, uh, Isaac and uh, Sienna. Uh, we just baptized Sienna not too long ago at the mm -hmm. same baptismal font. It must give you great joy to um, know the you know, just the building of your own family here through mm -hmm. the Holy Church. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, as, as you're aware, um, Isaac wasn't able to be baptized here at the font mm -hmm. uh, in St. John's. Uh, he was baptized in the hospital uh, mm -hmm. because of his, um, uh, his health things that he had going on. But uh, mm -hmm. having Sienna here, uh, just, uh, it did bring a gleam in my eye, you know. <laughs> right. You're a proud uh, father. Uh, yeah. Exactly, just seeing my daughter and, and seeing the full circle uh, of, of life take place uh, before my eyes <clears throat> because I was just at this font, uh, you know, 10 years ago myself, you know, as mm -hmm. a, as a, um, uh, as a uh, convert and, and coming into the church as a neophyte. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was great. It was phenomenal to witness that. Mm. And for, for me as a father, also very proud because 
to see, you know, the, the love that um, was exuded from the community to you and you then responding to that over the years and um, just kind of finding your way um, in and through that love of the Father, um, through the community exuded through Jesus Christ and the Spirit. And then, you know, just, to, yeah, that journey um, to coming to full, some sense of fulfillment of your own family here. Um, yeah, I was a very proud spiritual father as well, so we share that in common. Um, just love that, um, you know, you've been able to tell your story many times in our community, but I'm so grateful that we have a chance to share it more broadly through this Eucharistic Revival podcast. Mm -hmm. um, our hope, I think you know, as you've been on the visioning, vision casting team here um, in St. John's for the revival, our hope is, is that if we can help one person find their way to Christ and the Holy Eucharist, um, then this has all been worth it. You know, this has mm -hmm. been a great grace of, of, of God for for us and for our community and for the world. What what advice would you, so the Eucharist, I mean, mm -hmm. like that's had to seem so foreign to you, um, you know, before your conversion, but what role has the Holy Eucharist played in your life, Schweib? Um, I think for, for us um, as a family, I think it, I can answer that question in a couple of different ways. What it means for me as a, as a man, mm -hmm. right? As a Catholic man, what my wife, what it means to her as a, as a woman, but then what it means to us as a family. Um, I think it's a little bit different. <clears throat> um, initially, when we, uh, when I um, was coming into the church, uh, I had one profound experience in Eucharistic adoration that I, um, that I'd never had any, any experience of that sort ever in my life. Even, even in the moment when I accepted Christ, right? Like it was not, yeah. Well, what happened? Uh, it, it was an overwhelming uh, feeling of sorrow, but also joy at the same time. Sorrow in that I, I'm just now coming to this, right? Mm -hmm. And okay. I, like I, the first twenty something years of my life was missing, was missing this, but also like a feeling of joy that I'm finally here. Mm. Uh, so I'm not late to the party, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not a very sensitive person. Like I don't. You know, I don't tear up too often, or I don't uh, I don't cry too often. But in that in that first um, exposure to Eucharistic adoration, like I just wept and bawled mm. like a like a little baby. And so, mm. um, I think it was just again openness to receiving that. Um, mm. And uh, and so, when I had that encounter uh, with Christ in the Eucharist, I I knew that there was something special here, but I couldn't you know I didn't know what that was. It was only through further study through RCIA through. Um, uh, further examination of some of our uh, modern-day theologians of like what it, what this is and why why we why we believe uh, or attribute that this is the true body, blood, soul, and divinity of, of our blessed Lord. Um, and so, uh, for us, we we try to commit ourselves to all the sacraments as frequently as we can. As obviously, it's harder with kids, you know. But when uh, before kids, we we try to. Uh, we tried to make daily mass as often as we could, um, but now with kids, uh, one of the things that we uh, have prescribed in our own household is um, if there's only, if there's one or two things that we could do, it's going to be one or two additional daily masses uh, mm. that we can make as a family because it is hard to like get the kids together and sure, yeah. and, and make it to mass uh, outside of Sundays. Uh, and so we've uh, we've prescribed to the first Friday and the first Saturday devotions uh, oh, of every great. month, right? And yeah. so as a family, um, we we know that this is going to be a time for Mass outside of the context of Sundays, and it's also going to be a time for confession, right? And yeah. so that way our kids can grow up and see that 
um, there is more to the Catholic Church than just typical Sunday Mass, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's a great gift to have Sunday Mass, but uh, I think we want our kids to know that this gift is is always here, right? It doesn't have to yeah. be reserved to, to Sundays. You can always, it's always accessible. Just, you know, know where to go, know who to... All over the world every exactly, day. Exactly, yeah. and so yeah. um, so we try to commit ourselves to, um, to, to receiving Eucharist. Um, uh, try to do it uh, outside of Sundays uh, at least... Uh, at least once or twice a month. Um, but really, I, I think it's also something that we've known that uh, our, our further devotion to the Blessed Sacrament is what's keeping us grounded in our, in our family. It's what's keeping us grounded in our, in our marriage and how we raise our kids. And it's also what's keeping us grounded from all of the, all of the stuff that the secular world is trying to throw at us, right? When, uh, you know, in an age where the truth is being constantly challenged and, mm. and constantly questioned, uh, it's, it's always encouraging and helpful to know that the, the, the embodiment of truth himself is, is right here in the, in the chapel, right? Mm. And so that's, uh, you know, the, the, the things of the world constantly can worry a lot of people, but, um, um, you know, the Eucharist keeps us hopeful, right? It, keeps, it gives us solace and, and Yeah, comfort. you're fortified, you're source mm -hmm. in summer, you really own that and embrace it as a family mm -hmm. um, to know that um, there's nothing that the world is going to throw at you that you can't, um, you know, kind of work through with, with Christ and the substance of the mm -hmm. Holy Eucharist to fortify you mm -hmm. um, in your daily lives. I mean, to your point, um, and I, I, sh I share with the viewers and listeners that I was at, at the baptismal party uh, of Sienna recently, mm -hmm. and um, I barely got in the door, and little Isaac grabbed my hand, and he wanted to show me his little mass area, right, and then the next thing I know, we're playing mass, he's got on a little vestment, and he's got all the stuff, and he's got a little, he's got a crucifix, and I become the server, and he's the priest, and I'm following him around the house, you remember, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, Alexa, play um, Amazing Grace, or something, I forget what yeah, it was, but yeah. he, he asked, you know, for music and the whole thing, and I'm like, this is so great. There, you know, how old is he right now? He's four. Four. At yeah. four years old, he knows about the, the Eucharist. He knows mm -hmm. about the Mass. He knows, you know, that Christ has given us this unfathomable gift. And, and he, you know, he's, he's pulling me as the priest in to be even more devoted because of his faithfulness mm -hmm. that you've shared with him, which is mm -hmm. just, uh, uh, it is amazing grace. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think, uh, I think uh, what you're doing here at St. John's, like having programs like the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd uh, for the kids, for them to know that, um, uh, to, to really like grow th their knowledge in, uh, in the sacraments that the church has to offer. Um, it's things of that sort that like we constantly remind ourselves like, this is why we're doing this, right? Yeah. Um, we're we're, we're um, instilling those values now. And I think the other thing too is um, the, just our growing devotion to our, our, um, our faith, our, our blessed Lord and the, the blessed sacrament um, has, has inspired us to be like the primary catechists, like the first catechists in our household. Right. As um, you promise in the baptism. Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I think um, it's, it's very easy to like just cast that to the side and, and it's very tempting too, right? To just mm. put that responsibility on somebody else <clears throat> or, or the church or their Sunday schools or their right. yeah, Catholic yeah. schools, right? Uh, and so, um, but I think the more, the more and more Lindsay and I devote ourselves to, uh, to receiving the sacraments, uh, to receiving the Eucharist, uh, the more we are compelled and convicted to then instill that same, um, 
that same conviction in our kids. Yeah, right. passing on the deposit of the faith. Mm -hmm. We had a, a great weekend last weekend. We were uh, with a family camping weekend from mm -hmm. St. John's down in Brown County State Park, and it was just, it was so amazing. There was like 25 families. Mm -hmm. I think 48 kids under the age of 10 is what I heard. <laughs> and, um, and it was so wonderful because the boys helped build the altar and um, the girls all decorated, and we had mass outdoors, mm -hmm. and then we had adoration. Um, in light of this Eucharistic revival year, mm -hmm. we had, a, uh, I think, maybe three or four hours of adoration after mm -hmm. Mass where families could rotate into um, the, the chapel that we kind of right. made there. It was so beautiful because I, I, was, I was deeply moved by um, the children, especially with their parents. Like, really, they understood the reverence, they understood mm -hmm. the power of the prayer before our Lord and, and, and presenting themselves there. And we were, out, we were out playing football with them, and I heard one little boy say, hey guys, you want to go do adoration for a while? And I was just like blown away. I'm like, how good is this? That they, they know and they, they were just going to go from playing football to, you know, adoration. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you're right. Just uh, families living life together in the mm -hmm. faith is so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about that. You've got some great friends, you and mm -hmm. Lindsay, and here in the faith community. Um, talk to us about you know, that how the Eucharist and, and around the sacramental life, you've really continued to support each other and have accountability in the faith. Yeah, so anybody that knows me uh, knows that my favorite scripture verse is Acts 2.42. Um, and it's for a very, uh, for a very good reason, uh, because this is after uh, Peter's sermon, and 5,000 or 4,000 are cut, cut through the heart, as it says, mm -hmm. and they're all baptized. And, and what it says afterwards is that they've all committed themselves to living what we call the sacramental life, right? It's the teaching of the apostles. It's the, the fellowship. It's the scriptures. It's, and, and it's also the breaking of the breaking bread. Breaking of the bread, right. What we call, what we call the Eucharist, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, just knowing that there is a blueprint here outlined for us. Yeah, the early to, church showed us the way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's a yeah. blueprint here outlined in the scriptures that we can just prescribe mm -hmm. to. And that's exactly what we try to... Um, try to live out today um, through um, uh, through the other young adult families here at St. John's. Um, yeah, you're living all that fellowship together. Mm -hmm. You're sacramentally, you're living mm -hmm. the sacramental life. You're, you're, you're diving deeper into the word of God mm -hmm. and, and the tradition of the faith. Mm -hmm. All of that coming alive yep. um, through your lives 2,000 years later. Right. Um, how powerful. And, and the fact that we know that then Christianity spread, that a positive faith spread like wildfire in those early mm -hmm. days. So too, I think that's happening through um, many of the you know great faithful young families mm -hmm. and, and and established older families that we have mm -hmm. here at St. John's. We're so grateful that people are, want to live life together and share that good mm -hmm. news with others. To that point, um, as we wrap up today, what ad, what advice would you give to somebody that um, let's say their their mom or their grandma or their aunt or uncle or somebody sends them this podcast because they're either away from the church and the Eucharist or Maybe they've never been taught about this, mm -hmm. um, you know, this great gift that we have. What, what words of wisdom would you share with, um, with, with those that might listen um, and hear your story mm -hmm. as to why, why take the time to, to discover more deeply? To Right. Um, it's a profound question. Uh, I think openness is the first thing that comes to mind, right? I think a lot of people in today's day and age are, um, um, are, are wounded in many ways, whether it's through, uh, because of faith or because of um, some, some other external factor in their, in their lives, be it bad sure. relationships, bad job, whatever, whatever it might be. 
Um, and I think we are constantly um, just trying to like fix, fix, fix our, on our own, mm -hmm. right? So um, true. Yeah. And so I think uh, just having an openness that like maybe, maybe just maybe, um, my a lot of my issues or a lot of the problems that I'm having in my in my life today uh, can be addressed by somebody else, and that somebody else is is waiting for for you here in the chapel, right? Mm. Um, it, it takes a it takes a monumental amount of humility to admit that, right? To say that it's not in my control. My life is not my, uh, in my own hands, right? right and yeah. and uh, there are the anxiety that I face, the, uh, the challenges and the difficulties that I face, the, the lack of grace that I have in my life, um, it's, it's, all, uh, um, it's all up to me whether or not I wanna accept the invitation that's been extended, right? So I think openness is the, um, is the key thing there. Um, and ultimately, uh, when, if and when you become open, um, um, just submission, right, um, to the idea that there is something else beyond beyond yourself um, uh, that you can devote yourself to, and that person is um, uh, here in the Blessed Sacrament that we know as Christ Jesus. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it's not easy to, um, it's not easy when we have all of these um, Teachings. It's not easy when we have all of these, uh, uh, what some others would consider like barriers or obstacles to uh, to come back in. Um, but I, I, I say like all of that's just noise, right? Like just don't worry about all of the different ways one can prescribe to be Catholic. Don't worry about all of the, um, uh, the, 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 the internal politics of the church. Like don't worry about that. Just come to Christ. First, devote yourself to him and then let him change your heart, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's never failed anybody if they're open, as you say, um, to that possibility. And even if they say, Lord, if you're for real, show me. Mm -hmm. um, show me a, a way to know and to love you and to serve you. I think he always wants to answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. and, and he will in some way um, and help him on a path um, to yeah, just the greatest um, gift of, of this time on earth so that we can be with him for all eternity um, in paradise. Um, Schweib, it's been such a pleasure to be with you, um, and not just today, but over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, I can only imagine how God is going to continue to work in your lives, uh, your family life, um, your, your children. Um, and, you know, I know you're so committed to being a saint yourself and to, uh, to leading your family to sainthood, and that's a real light in the midst of our world today. Uh, we look forward to um, the Eucharistic Congress coming up next July, and we look forward to welcoming all of you um, to join us in that. Uh, be sure to stay, stop by St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church, which will be the Adoration Chapel for the Congress uh, as it comes into Indy with 80 to 100,000 people um, joining together to celebrate our faith and to dive deeper into a relationship, a divine intimacy with Jesus Christ, our Savior. With that, let us close in a prayer. This, this day, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we just thank you for this time to gather in your holy name, uh, in your holy church, and these sacred grounds. We thank you for the gift of um, just being able to dive deeper into relationship with you through the holy church, which always guides us and points us to you. Uh, we thank you for um, Schwab and sharing his story, uh, for his witness, um, not only today, but in his daily life. We ask your blessing upon us as we continue to be your good and faithful disciples um, and, and seek to lead 
um, others to you. Um, as we go forth today, Lord, may um, our lives just reflect you in all ways, and may uh, the Eucharist fortify us, your very body, blood, soul, and divinity um, in the Holy Eucharist. Fortify us so that we can live most authentically as your beloved and adopted sons and daughters. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you and your family, Schweib, and all those who are with us this day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Thanks for being Father. here. Absolutely. That's fun.